Welcome to the Blind Mole Podcast. I am Mole. This is Clint. Hello. And we are happy to be here with you. We are the founders of this podcast. This podcast is designed specifically to talk about movie scores. And by scores, we don't mean soundtracks. We don't mean Kenny Loggins, um, even though we love him. We don't mean Ray Parker Jr. or Huey Lewis. We're talking about John Williams. We're talking about Michael Giacchino. We're talking about James Newton Howard, Thomas Newman. An endless list of talent that we want to talk about. The greats. The greats, yes. And we want to talk about these composers. We want to talk about what motivated them to write what they did, the stories behind the soundtracks. Uh, We want to talk about their weaknesses, their strengths, uh, their styles, and mostly want to talk about the music and why we love this stuff. I mean, Clint, what, what really draws you to movie soundtracks? Well, um, it's that connection uh, we make when we hear the music and see the movie. Uh, it's kind of an emotional connection. Um, so when we listen to it again later, we remember that emotion, um, which really draws me towards it, I believe. I feel the same way. That emotional connection you have with music, seeing it with the visual, to me, is why I go see movies. That's what we're going to talk about, the emotional, passionate parts of music that we really enjoy and the stuff we think is terrible as well. So (laughs) we want to dig in here first and cover a man who needs no introduction, and that's John Williams, the godfather of movie scores. Do you think every composer uh, would say John Williams is the greatest of all time? Do you think they would all agree, kind of like... Um, rock bands would agree the Beatles kind of holds the mantle. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think he really started making um, movie scores um, popular. Like um, everyone compares the movies and his scores Yeah, to everything else. And maybe one will rise up above him at some point, but I, you know, I don't see it happening anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> But that's another topic for another day. Today we're talking about 10 things you might not know about the maestro, John Williams. And you probably don't know. In fact, we Mm. didn't know a lot of these things until we did our research. So let's dig in there. Clint, what's the first thing we want to talk about here? Yeah, so number one, uh, John Williams has scored every single Steven Spielberg film except for three of them. And that first one he scored was... um, Steven Spielberg's um, directorial debut, The Sugarland Express. But the three, um, which one of those do you think they are? Well, I know it's not Jaws. I thought Spielberg and Williams were just a pair forever. I didn't know Spielberg chose other guys. That's interesting. Right. Well, um, one of them was The Color Purple in 1985. And why? It's, well... The famed uh, producer Quincy Jones insisted on scoring it himself, which we can't argue with that, I suppose. No, you cannot. (laughs) And then in 2015, Bridge of Spies, and uh, John Williams was ill when the score needed worked on. So naturally, you can't score it when you're sick. So they called on Thomas Newman, which one of my favorites, and another great. that That is a fantastic score. And then the other one would be Ready Player One. More recently, 2018, um, and John Williams had dropped out of it in order to work on the post instead. And who was he replaced by? Alan, Alan. Silvestri. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love <Good> that <laughs> guy. 
Which which fits because Sylvester needed to work his Back to the Future stuff in that movie anyways. Yeah, that was perfect. That's amazing because The Color Purple was produced in 1985 and Bridge of Spies was produced in 2015, which means Spielberg exclusively worked with John Williams for 30 years. Number two on our list of facts, John has more Academy Award nominations than anyone else living, but not the most of all time. Clint, can you name who had the most of all time? Walt Disney. Walt Disney, yes. 59 total nominations for Walt Disney. John Williams has 51. And not to mention 67 Grammys, 25 Golden Globes, and six Emmys. Now, his first win, his first nomination was for 1967's Valley of the Dolls. So he was being nominated way back in the 60s, which I didn't realize. I thought Williams kind of came into his own late 70s, but he was already kicking it in the late 60s. And then his first win was in 1971 for Fiddler on the Roof. That's weird to me, too, because that music was already existing as the musical on the stage. So he just wrote all the incidental music and uh, added to that, you know. So it's interesting to me that he won for that. So Walt Disney's probably safe. I don't think Williams is going to get eight more nods before he's done. But you never know. He got a nod for episode eight, which I didn't think he would. Number three, John's son, Joseph, is a professional singer in the band Toto, of all bands. You, know? <laughs> you never think that, which is pretty So cool. random. So incredibly random. Toto, what a cool band. <laughs> Africa, Walk the Line, Rosanna. Right. Love that song. (laughs) Number four, John Williams' middle name is Towner. I never knew that. I've listened to him my whole life. No one ever talks about his middle name, Towner. Number five. He was drafted into the military in 1952 and arranged, played, and conducted music for military bands, including the U.S. Air Force Band. Um, And you can definitely see that influence in a lot of his um, uh, concertos and works for the Olympics, um, has a lot of that military uh, influence. Which brings us to number six. Once he was done with his service in the military, he moved to New York and studied at Juilliard. And after Juilliard, he worked as a jazz pianist. And his, his nickname was Johnny Williams or Little Johnny Love. Oh. And he played at nightclubs, which is so cool. You walk into a nightclub and Johnny, Johnny Williams is playing jazz <laughs> piano in the corner. The man who would eventually compose music for Figure and Dan and the modal notes. I mean, that is cool. He moved back to L.A. from New York and became a studio pianist on film scores, including playing the famous opening riff for Henry Mancini's Peter Gunn theme. Remember that theme? Mm-hmm. 
doom, 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 doom. That's John Williams playing the intro there. So cool. And he wrote for other TV shows, including uh, an unaired Gilligan's Island pilot, which obviously they didn't use because they went with the classic song. Lost in Space, Land of the Giants, The Time Tunnel. That's where he kind of got his start in TV. Number seven, he does not compose on a computer, unlike Zimmer and Newton Howard. Um, He uses a pencil and paper on a small writing desk next to a Steinway piano. It's a nice uh, visual there. And um, he never really had time to learn to write music using a computer. Oftentimes, he would introduce Spielberg to ideas for music right then and there at his piano, uh, like the Jaws theme, which uh, Spielberg actually thought at first was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) A great story. And, you know, that's even more amazing to me thinking about how many themes he wrote for Close Encounters. Remember, he presented Williams with over 300 five-note motifs until he finally picked the iconic one. Bum, 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 bum. Kind of, yeah. 300 of those he wrote on his piano. That's, that's amazing. That's insane. Which brings us to number eight uh, on our list here. In 2005, the American Film Institute selected Williams' richly thematic and highly popular score to a movie you may have heard of, Star Wars, as the greatest film score of all time. I still think that's true. It, I agree. 13 years after, is there a score come out that's better than Star Wars? Probably not, yeah. Over, overall, I, I wouldn't say. so. Uh, and if that's not impressive enough, he had two more in the top 15. Number six was Jaws on the list. And number 14 was E.T., which makes everyone in this podcast think immediately, where the heck is uh, Jurassic Park? Right. Where the heck is Schindler's List? Um, where the heck is Saving Private Ryan? <laughs> he just got three in the top 15, which somehow sounds inadequate. Yeah, I would agree with that. Guy's just amazing. Well, that leads up to number nine. Williams holds the record for the highest grossing instrumental only soundtrack album of all time for, you guessed it, Star Wars 1977. <laughs> also, eight of the top 20 highest grossing films of all time at the North American box office were scored by Williams. Number two is Star Wars. Number four, E.T. Number seven, Jaws. Number 11, Force Awakens. And so on. So it just keeps going. And that brings us to our final point. Uh, Number 10, John Williams has never actually watched any of the Star Wars films. Now let that sink in for a second. You just composed the greatest film score of all time. You never actually watched Star Wars? That is crazy to me. Crazy. (laughs) And I know some of you might not believe me. Let me quote the man himself. Quote, I let it go. I have not looked at the Star Wars films, and that's absolutely true. When I'm finished with a film, I've been living with it. We've been dubbing it, recording to it, and so on. You walk out of the studio and, ah, it's finished. If you think about it, you know, he's watching each scene over and over again. I don't I don't know if he'd want to actually just watch it in entirety all of, over again. <laughs> and, and I don't know how much John likes the music he composed for Star Wars. Uh, listen to this other quote. This is about the Star Wars music. He says, I don't know. 
A lot of them are not very memorable and so on. It's probably the most popular music that I've done. People will ask me, what's your favorite score in this and that? I've done concertos and symphonies and other things that are some good, some not so good. Some are played and many are rightfully forgotten. But I think we're all the same in this sense that you look at your work or you listen to your work and it's children. You have three children. You love them and they're beautiful, but you wish this could have been better here. And maybe as parents, we don't want to reflect that to the children. But the sense is whatever we do, it can always be better. So I'm a composer of music and I look at Mozart and I look at Beethoven and Bach, the greatest organizers of sound that we've ever had. And you need to be humble when the shoulders that we stand on are so great. That just gives me the chills, man. Right? <laughs> Wise words. Uh, it's amazing. This guy is so humble. He doesn't think Star Wars is any good. Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't make you fall in love with him, I don't know what will. I don't know any other composer or musician that would say that about his own music, especially the music that's made him who he is today. So that's the, that's the 10 facts we wanted to point out this, this week on the podcast. Next week, we're going to talk about another uh, amazing composer. You may have heard of him. His name is Hans Zimmer, and he's incredibly awesome. And uh, we're going to get into some of the things that make him so unique and iconic. And after that, well, who knows where the wind will take this podcast. But we're excited to have you with us. Thanks for joining us this week on The Blind Mole. Hopefully you learned something. Clint, I hope you learned something about John Williams. A lot. And um, let us know in the comments what you think. Um, if there's any other cool facts you know about John Williams, we'd be happy to know and share with everyone. We have some more videos you can check out on YouTube. Uh, just search for The Blind Mole and you'll find us, find our channel. And we hope to see you and hear from you next week. Bye.